Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you real life nourishing information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am thrilled to introduce today's wonderful guest, Crystal Manders, who is a librarian and reading intervention specialist. Welcome to the podcast, Crystal. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So my goodness, as a librarian and a reading intervention specialist, I can only imagine how busy you are. But before we launch into that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what makes you, you? I think what makes me, me is just the people that are in my life make me the person that I am. You know, I have a wonderful group of family and friends that are kind of like that scaffold and support to what allows me to be the best version of myself, I think. Ah, beautifully put. Okay. And that is so important because at Familius, we work from core values such as reading together, playing together, learning together. And it sounds as if you certainly have the atmosphere where you have all of these elements woven into your life behind the scenes of being Mm -hmm. a librarian and a reading intervention specialist. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. So let's look at your work as a librarian. How do you see libraries as playing, other than the obvious, we go into a library, we check out Mm -hmm. a book and we read it. How do you see libraries working to improve families, improve connection? How do you see that play out in your world? I think that books and texts introduce us to things that we often aren't familiar with or the examples that we need to kind of pitch us in this direction towards a better life, a happier life, a life that's filled with love, joy, and family. And I think that through through books, we have that exposure to so many different ways that we see those kind of principles, right? You can see people and families that are different than your own and how they are happy, how they, you know, thrive or how they overcome things that life often, you know, brings our way. And I think without those things, I think people could kind of be a little misguided or unsure of where to go with things. And it's just an amazing resource and tool to have for not just kids, but adults, adolescents for everyone. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest parts about books is that they broaden our horizons. We can get really stuck in our own myopic points of view if we don't have books Mm -hmm. to be windows and doors to other experiences. And that increases compassion, insight, curiosity, self-growth. I mean, so many things. And is that so in doing that and accomplishing this desire to help people connect not only with themselves, but with other people in the greater world. Do you have a favorite genre of book? You know, I will be perfectly honest. Before uh, I went into this role, I have taught first grade all the way through fifth grade. And so I've taught single subjects down to, you know, all of the subjects. And I love nonfiction texts. I love learning about how people have lived throughout history to kind of learn from what they've done. 
and how things were successful in different times or in different parts of the world and how we can take how others have lived and kind of spin that in our own way to make us into better better people. I love that. And I think that I'm thinking of some picture books for kids that are definitely Mm -hmm. nonfiction. And we tend to think of kids' books as being fiction and just whimsical and pretty, Mm -hmm. but there are actually some terrific books. I mean, many terrific books. I know Familius has a slew of them where they teach you everything from sign language to different Mm -hmm. languages to history and all through, Mm -hmm. I mean, word and picture books. Yeah, oh, definitely. And starting from board books all the way through long written chapter books, there's ways to see yourself and others and see your place in the world and how you fit and how you belong, which I think is at that core of growing and being happy and having that loving environment within yourself and within your family. Yes, I 100% agree. So another question for you, when someone comes in to the library, Mm -hmm. how do you match them up with a book? If they're saying the same same way I would with even in a classroom setting, same kind of way, you know, I ask their interests. If I don't know their interests, you know, from knowing them previously, I ask them things that they're interested in. Or if you, you know, working with children, you kind of learn how to pick up on body language and understanding how to meet the needs of the kids that you're working with. And so, you know, having being in this position means I have to know a lot of different books and what they're about. I do a lot of reading. And so, and part of my passion for children's books is just allowing children to find themselves in books and to explore. And it's, you know, once I know what they're interested in, I can then kind of direct them in different ways. And I try to give them options. I don't want it to just always be the fairy tale or what about real life fairy tales, things that have actually happened, like how to take different approaches so that kids are getting exposure to all different types of genres while still staying within an area that they're familiar with, but also an area that they can grow in. I love that. And in particular, you said something that piqued my curiosity. You talked (laughs) about body language. In all my, you know, as a clinical psychologist, I work with body language too, but I've never heard a librarian say, I look for body language. Please do explain how you use a person's body language to segue into finding that ideal book. You know, it's kind of seeing how kids come in and carry themselves and kids are very, in many ways, they aren't always transparent with words, but sometimes with their body language, if they're having a great day, if they're maybe upset or if they're excited or, you know, not feeling well, how I can take a text and let them explore it in different ways that might support how they're feeling, might reassure how they're feeling that can, you know, even make them feel better. You know, I like to say that there's that whole rainy day book, you know, there's always that something that can kind of take your gray skies and make them a little sunnier. So just noticing if, you know, are they hanging their head low? Are they coming in with a smile? Do they look tired? You know, just the different ways that we don't always communicate verbally and how to relate that. And I think that's something that educators in general have to be very good at reading their kids the moment they walk in the door and knowing how their day can, you know, be shaped from what you do and how you impact them. 
That is so beautiful because that's the piece of tuning in to someone, that magic of attunement that allows a child who may not be really seen at home or in other parts of the world, and you are taking the time to tune into them, to notice them, and see if you can create a good fit with a book. That is gorgeous. So let's move to your work as a reading intervention specialist. Please share. So this was my first year fully out of the classroom. But in the pandemic, we kind of shifted to that virtual teaching and I stuck with that for a while. But this year, my background in college was as a reading interventionist, reading specialist. And I decided to pursue that a little bit further. I want kids to fall in love with books. I want them to enjoy reading. I want them to see themselves in what they read and see who they could become. And so by working with you know small groups of kids at the upper elementary and middle school level, we have very honest conversations of where we are at and where we would like to be and how we can kind of bridge that gap and get there, not just as a group, but also individually, those steps that we need to take. And it's always you know a rewarding feeling when you see them have excitement once they've, you know, figured out a certain type of question or if they've understood, you know, whatever the the text is talking about when that aha moment kind of hits them. That's that rewarding piece that then is almost like putting the pedal to the metal that wants them to push further to keep themselves going. Uh, and how does that how does that work in and then affect the family system? Your work then take it take it home. Yeah, I I try to one of the things that I've always been really big on is that education as a whole is a, a triangle of space. It's me as the educator, it's the student, and it's the parent and we or the family, you know, depending on what their home life is. We have to work together and it all has to be kind of this flowing system that I have open conversations. I want them to feel like they can have open conversations with me that we're all trying to work together to reach the same goal. I'm never shy with talking to parents. I love reaching out. I love when they come in and want to have a chat and just kind of, you know, update on what's going on because I think that's important. I think it's important for them to know where their child is, where their child wants to go, where we can work together to kind of bridge those gaps. I love that. And I love the idea of the triangle because you're clearly working with both child and parent to create the optimal Mm -hmm. outcome, which is a child who loves books, loves exploring through books and feels comfortable Mm -hmm. pivoting into different directions to expand their knowledge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And even taking kids that come in and they might say at the beginning, oh, I don't like reading. I hate reading. And, you know, sometimes when we see reading as only that academic purpose and that answering questions and things like that, um, I think that it's easy to kind of get stuck in this. I don't like to read. But once you kind of open them to possibilities and into things that they've never seen or heard of before, that's kind of when that happens. I had a student last year who completely fell in love with World War II books. Off of a short article that we read, he just became fascinated and wanted to read everything he could about World War II as a fifth grader. But, you know, if until you're exposed to something, you just don't know what possibilities might be out there. Where that magic is just waiting to happen. That's Mm -hmm. lovely. So last question, when you're sourcing books for your library, for classrooms, how do you pick? There are so many books out there. Well, I personally, in my personal collection at school, I have over 800 that are mine personally. Oh my. Obviously, I have a hard time making choices, but I try to pick books that cover 
different topics that cover different cultures, different religions, different genders, different identities and things like that so that there is something for everyone. And there's also things that, you know, kids can get exposed to. There's fairy tales. I'm looking over at them right now, even, you know, there's just so many different things because I want them to be exposed to as many things as possible. I believe that fear comes from a lack of knowledge and that sometimes we, it's easy to not like something or be uncomfortable with something we don't know about. And if I can teach different walks of life in different ways positively, then I think that could lead to a, a better world. I so appreciate that. I agree. So much fear comes from a lack of knowledge. And the more that you're able to help kids become knowledgeable about the world that they mm -hmm. live in, the more accepting, non-judgmental, and less fearful they will be. Thank you so much. That's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Any other thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just keep reading and keep letting kids explore and even adults don't be afraid to explore things that you might not be comfortable with because you never know what's waiting for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Crystal. Where can our listeners find you? They can find me on Instagram at just.add.glitter or at justadglittershop.com. Okay, listeners, this has been Crystal Manders. I will spell her name because it's a little bit different. It's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L, Manders, M-A-N-D-E-R-S, and just add, and it's just dot add dot glitter. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Just add some glitter. Nope, that was, that was it. You know, and to that name, it was actually a line from a movie that came from doesn't matter who you are just throw a little glitter on it and go have fun so that's, that's a beautiful from. way to look at life just add a little glitter mm -hmm. yep. thank, thank you crystal thank, thank you, you for so. having me thank you and as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. Thanks for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine. Add a little bit of glitter as only you can do.